Thank you, Roseanne, for your ministry of music. Thanks, Mike and Bonnie, for leading us in song. Uh, the second song we sang, I can only imagine, uh, we're going to see certainly relates to our uh, memorable verse uh, this evening, especially the second part. But for those that haven't been here for this series, uh, us pastors have been, um, each Sunday evening night, have been taking uh, just one verse from the scriptures that uh, many and maybe most find memorable or um, some might say it would be their favorite or life verse. Um, and tonight I am doing the same. And, and we come to a verse that provides for us a proper view on life and death and, and what I would say in a very short and succinct way. Okay, our verse is Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So very short, very succinct, gives us a, a proper view of life and death but there's a lot loaded into this, this one verse. Paul's the author of the letter to the Philippian church, so really what we're getting in our verse tonight is we're getting what his view of life and death is. And in turn, we're going to see how uh, we should view life and death in this very same way. But as we start, I want us to just start by thinking about how this is often not how we view life and death. What Paul lays out here is, I would say, both how he views life and how he views death is, is often contrary to how we view these two things. So let, let me explain this. Um, the first statement for, to me, to live is Christ. Paul is, and we're going to look a lot more into this in a moment, but just to introduce us, to, to get us thinking about it, when he says, for to me, to live is Christ, he is talking about his purpose or his aim in life. He's showing us what he is seeking to accomplish and, and achieve in his life. Paul says his aim is Christ, and we're going to look more fully what that means for him to say, for to me to live is Christ. But if you consider with me as we start what you would say your aim in life is, okay, what would you say? Being real honest with yourself, instead of saying like Paul, for me to live is Christ, would you rather say for me to live is money? For to me to live is knowledge or fame or pleasure or being liked or building a successful business or having a large and a happy family or having several degrees or, or just getting to relax. Think about what your goals are in life. What are you striving for? What do you spend your time on? What you think about? What your whole life is focused on? Would you say it is Christ? We'll look further at what this means, what it looks like in our lives, but I just want us to keep in mind how we would answer this, um, or what, maybe what we would fill in the blank if it wasn't Christ, if we were real honest with ourselves. But also think with me about the second half of verse 21. Paul says, for to me to live is Christ, and then the second thing he says concerning death, he says, and to die is gain. Paul essentially saying he views death as a good thing. It's advantageous. It's, it's profitable for him. So I'd ask you, how do you view death? How do you view your death one day as you look forward to that day that you'll die? For us, death might be met with fear. As you think about your death, you might be scared. You, you might really dread what is on the other side of this life. When we think about dying right now, we might think it's not gain, but it's loss. It would come with disappointment, thinking about all that we'd miss out on in this life. If you're not married, or you don't have children, or you haven't retired yet, maybe you think, let me just experience some of these things 
And then, God, you can take, take me away. Then I'll look forward to death. So I'd ask you concerning death again, what is your view of death? And then even further, do you view it as gain, profitable, advantageous like Paul does? And then secondly, if you would say, yeah, I view it as gain, I would ask you why. Okay, and we're going to see why it is for Paul. But we see he views it as profitable, and even more so we'll see how Paul views death. But for now, I want you to just consider how would you view your death? So our verse for this evening is Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We get Paul's outlook on life. And as I had us think about, I think if we're real honest with ourselves, oftentimes this is not how we view life and death. We view it in a worldly way. We view it without God in the picture. Christ is not our aim in life. Death is certainly not viewed as gain. Or if it is, it's for other reasons than Paul gives. So we need to strive after the example of Paul. So this will be our theme for this evening. And it's summing up what we'll see in this message on Philippians 1.21. Our theme for this evening is Paul provides for us an outlook on life and death that we should strive to have too as Christians. So this is Paul's example. It's certainly a biblical example. It's a, it's a good example. And I'm going to say tonight that we need to strive to have the same exact view of life and death as Paul does. So what I want to do in this message is I want us to, to take this short and this succinct verse, and I want us to first start by seeing what it means, and then secondly, we'll look at lessons that, should, uh, that we should learn from this verse. So I'll really spend the first half of this message just developing it, showing what does Paul exactly mean in this verse, and then second, the second half of the message will really be uh, application, showing how should this verse actually impact our lives. So we'll start with the meaning of Philippians 1.21, and as we consider uh, the meaning of this verse, I want us to consider if we only looked at this one verse. So if we looked at Philippians 1.21 and we thought about, what does this mean? Or what could this mean? I think if we looked at this, this one verse, we would find that if we just took this one verse, we could come up with a lot of things that might be biblical, they might be true, but they aren't what this one verse is saying. Okay, for example, if we took just Paul's first statement for to me to live is Christ, you could, take this, you could take this to be saying that Paul is saying his source or his strength in life is Jesus Christ. Okay, that he only exists because of Jesus, so he'll, he'll rely on him day by day. Okay, that's biblical, that's true, but I don't think that's what this verse is saying. Also take, for example, the second part in Philippians 1.21, he says, and to die is gain. This could be taken to mean that Paul wanted to die to escape the suffering, the circumstances of his life, which we'll see in this moment he certainly had suffering. He had bad circumstances. But again, that is not what Paul is saying here in this verse. So if we took Philippians 1.21 all by itself, we could really say it's saying a bunch of things that it really is not saying. So how do we come to an understanding of what this verse means my answer to that is we need to consider the verses around it. Oftentimes we call this the context. Okay, looking at the whole passage or the verses before and the verses after a verse, really the verses that kind of sandwich Philippians 1.21 is what I want to um, 
We're going to rely heavily upon tonight to find out what is Paul exactly saying in Philippians 1.21. I want us to look at the verses before, the verses after it, which I think allow us to, to really get an accurate understanding of what does Paul mean when he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So first, as we consider the meaning and consider the context, I want us to look at the context before our verse, and we're going to see that it helps us understand the setting our verse is written in, which I think especially helps us as we think about application, but it helps us understand what Paul is going through uh, when he writes this passage. So we see that Paul begins the section that verse 21 is found in by speaking of the joy that he has knowing he will be delivered. So Philippians 1, and I'll read verses 18 through 19 for us. It says, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And then he says this, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Okay, so Paul starts in this passage by speaking of the joy he has, which would make us think, He's dealing with something good. He's glad, so he's dealing with something pleasant. But we see that's not the case. As ultimately the joy he has is in the fact that he's confident that he will be delivered someday. So we might ask, what what should he or what does he need to be delivered from? We find this in Philippians 1 1 verse 12 through 13. It says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul is sitting in prison as he writes this letter to the Philippians. We find as we consider our memorable verse when he says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, he writes this as he's fastened to the wall by chains. So why does he need deliverance? He's in prison. But as we continue on, we find that what Paul means by deliverance, when he's saying that he has joy, as he's gonna, he's, he believes he'll be delivered, this deliverance isn't exactly what we might think uh, it is as we move on in the passage. As we move to verse 20, the verse right before ours, we, we find more fully how Paul wants to conduct himself in this state of being in prison. He says this in verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So as Paul sits in prison, as he anticipates his his sentence, as he goes on trial, if his fate is life or death, he desires that Christ is honored by him. For us, if we would be sitting in prison... I think we'd be just hoping that we could get out. His hope is that, he'd be, uh, that God would be honored if it's either life or death for Paul. So verse 19, when it mentions Paul's deliverance, doesn't necessarily mean delivered from prison and to go on and live, in, live his life. But it could very easily speak of deliverance, speaking of his death, that he would ultimately, uh, or speaking of his eternal deliverance. So this is where our verse comes up in the passage, okay? 
tacking on verse 21. Again, it says in verse 20, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And then he says this, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So verse 21, Paul is saying why he can speak of Christ being honored in his life or death. It's because of his outlook on life and death. Okay, so these verses leading up to our verse, it, it really sets the setting of what is going on when Paul uh, writes this letter and even more so uh, writes our verse for this evening. Okay, it's not just a nice verse that Paul randomly writes or he randomly says. Sometimes that, as we think about these memorable verses, as we memorize them, we can almost take them out of context sometimes. So I wanted to just set the context. What is going on? What is the setting? And we see Paul wrote Philippians 1.21 as he rejoiced in a prison cell. And his desire was to magnify and exalt Jesus Christ in that imprisonment and the eventual outcome no matter what it was. So just kind of set in the setting. What is going on in Paul's life as he writes about his outlook on life and death? Second, as we consider the meaning and the context, I want us to look at the context before our verse, and we see that it clarifies the first half of our ver- what the first half of our verse means. So I want to look at it first, the verses before, to find the setting. Now I want us to think specifically, what does the first half, when Paul says, for to me to live is Christ, what does that mean? So by saying for to me to live is Christ, Paul is not saying or speaking of the fact that Christ is the reason he can physically live. Neither is he speaking of uh, the fact that Christ is the reason he's spiritually alive. And neither is it that Christ is the one who sustains him as he's in this prison cell. But rather, I believe when Paul says, for to me to live is Christ, he is simply saying, for to me to live is to serve Christ. That is my aim. That is my goal. Christ is what I am seeking to be all about. I am living for Christ. And the reason we see that this is the meaning, we look again at verse 20, which I've read several times, but have some words bolded this time. It says, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life. Whether by life. So Paul says that he desired that Christ would be honored. This word honored speaks of magnifying, glorifying, exalting Jesus Christ. And then Paul comes out with verse 21 that to Paul, living equals Christ. Living equals serving, honoring, magnifying Christ. If he's going to remain alive, he will serve Christ. He's saying, my life will be all about honoring Christ, when he says, for to me, to live is Christ. Paul's saying then all he does, all that he says, and every decision he makes, all his reactions, his thoughts, he strives to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. That is what the first half of this verse means. It talks about serving Christ. Third, as we think about the meaning, I want us to look at the verses after, and the verses after really flesh out how can Paul specifically or practically serve Christ with his life. And we're going to get, I believe, one aspect uh, of this. So I'll read for us verses 22 through 26 that come after our verse. They say this, 
If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So here in these verses, Paul is conflicted. Okay, and this conflict in Paul should, should really be shocking to us if we put ourselves in, in Paul's shoes. As he sits in prison and considers if he will be released to continue living or if he will be sentenced to death, he's conflicted of which he wants to take place. And I already kind of said this, but I think if we were in his shoes, okay, maybe our natural reaction is we want to get out. We want to be released. We want to go on living our lives. But Paul's conflicted if he wants to either continue living or if he'd rather, rather die. In verse 23, he begins by saying, I am hard-pressed. Okay, this phrase hard-pressed gives us a picture of someone being in a crowd and being pressed from, from either side. On the one side, Paul longs for his death, but then on the other side, he knows that there is work to be done in this life. So he feels the pressure of, of his life and his death, or if he'll continue living, or if he'll continue, uh, or if he'll ultimately die. On the one side is his longing, what he would enjoy, as we'll look at in a, a few moments. And on the other side is his responsibility, what, what he feels is his responsibility. And this should be shocking, because we would have expected Paul to just want to be released to get out of prison, to live his life. And I think this ultimately tells us a lot about how Paul, what his outlook on life and death uh, is and, and even how different it is from ours. But I want us to look again at these verses. I want to circle back and just look at a few to, to show us what it specifically looks like, what it specifically means for one to serve Christ. So I said, for to me to live as Christ means Paul's essentially saying, for to me to live is to serve Christ, to honor Christ with his life. What does that actually look like? Well, we find that in these verses. Verse 22 speaks of fruitful labor. And then verses 24 through 26, I think, uh, give us even more specifics. Okay, in verse 24, we see that Paul believes there is a need for him to continue to live for the sake of the Philippians. Look with me at Philippians 1.24. It says, for, it says, but to remain in the flesh, so to continue living, is more necessary on your account. So Paul said in verse, verses 20 and 21 that he seeks to magnify, to serve Christ with his life. And now he doesn't say, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for the sake of Christ. But he says, on your account. He speaks of living for the sake of others. So we might ask, is there a contradiction here? Paul goes from saying that his life is all about Christ, serving Christ, and now he talks about serving others, living for the sake of others. We might ask, is this just another separate group that Paul sees as being one of his aims in life? Or we might ask, is, are, are these verses, are, are these things connected? Is Paul's striving to serve Christ done through serving others. I'll ask that again. Is Paul serve, striving to serve Christ done through serving others? 
And I believe that is exactly what we have here. A way to serve Christ is by serving others. One aspect, so I said these verses kind of flesh out a little bit of, or at least one aspect of what this means to serve Christ. One aspect of magnifying Christ is to seek the spiritual well-being of others. And that's what, we, what comes in verses 25 through 26. We get three ways that he, he could serve the spiritual well-being of others. The first is Paul will help advance them in their relationship with God. It says this in verse 25, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress. Speaking of helping them grow, helping them mature in their faith in God. Paul will help them be glad in their relationship with God. He says this in verse, at the end of verse 25, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So Paul will bring them joy. He'll help them have joy in their salvation. And then the last way that he'll help them uh, with, in their spiritual well-being is Paul will help them boast in Jesus Christ. This comes in verse 26 where he says, So that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. So Paul's life, how God worked through it as Paul spends time with the Philippians, it will bring them to praise and worship God. Okay, so the reason Paul believes he would remain living was to help these Philippian believers spiritually. Okay, this is just one way, as I said, we can think of probably different ways, but this is one way, one aspect of how we might serve Christ. And as you think about this phrase, for to me to live is Christ, when I started to explain it, I don't know what came to mind, but I don't, I don't know if this would naturally come to our minds, that to serve Christ means to serve Christ others or a way of doing this. It's, it's not that we're looking to them as if they're God. We're not serving them or worshiping them like God, but we're pouring our lives out to help others grow in their relationship with God. That is what Paul is talking about here. So this first phrase, for to me to live as Christ, simply means that Paul is saying his aim in life is to serve Christ. And then secondly, one way he can do this is by serving others. That is what is meant by this first half of the verse. As I said, we could look at this first half and, and draw out other things that it could mean, but I think this is true to the passage. This is what Paul is specifically saying when he says this first half. So we have the second part to deal with. We spent a lot of time on the first half. We won't spend as much time on the second half because we've already dealt with some of the context, but I want to do the same thing. I want to look at the first, the first verses or the, the verses before our verse to see what it means about this second half, and then we'll look at the context after it and see how that factors in. So we'll look at the, the context before our verse. As we see, it helps us understand the second half of our verse. And I'll read again for us verse 20 and 21. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. We already looked at the life part. He says, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So Paul says his desire is to honor, magnify, exalt Christ with his life. And he does this by making everything revolve around this aim. And now he speaks in the second half of our verse, he speaks of honoring Christ in his death as well. 
So it might have been easy for us to, to understand what does it mean for him to honor Christ in his life. Maybe it's harder to understand how would he honor Christ in his death. So in verse 21, Paul gives the reason that Christ can be magnified in his death. And Paul says in the sec second half of verse 21, the reason this is so, and that is because death is viewed as a gain to Paul. Since Paul looks at death as advantageous and looks forward to death, that can bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. That is the point he's bringing out here. And, and when we think about those lessons, the application at the end, I'll draw um, or bring some specifics uh, to what this exactly means. But I want us to now look at how the context after our verse really helps us see why. Why does Paul uh, view death as gain. So fifth, as we think about the meaning, the context after our verse clarifies why Paul views death this way. And this comes in verses 22 through 23. So the question must be asked, why does Paul say he views dying as gain? Okay, how is death advantageous? How is it profitable? Who in their right mind would look at death this way? We might ask, is it to escape physical pain or emotional pain or persecution or stress? Maybe we think he's in prison, he's suffering, he's in chains, he just wants to die to get off this earth and not have to suffer anymore. But none of these, not escape, not physical pain, emotional pain, none of these are his reason for looking at death as gain. But rather, we find that Paul views death as profitable and advantageous because he will be with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look with me at Philippians 1, through 23. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. And then he says this, and this is key to why he views death as gain. He says, my desire is to depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. That is his reason why. And not to escape physical pain or persecution or stress, but his reason that he views it as gain, as profitable, is he will be with Christ. That is why it's advantageous and profitable. He will be in the presence of Jesus Christ. When Paul dies, when we die, if we have a saving relationship with Christ, we will be with God. We will finally be able to be in the presence of God, our Creator, our Savior. And this isn't the only time this is mentioned in the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, 6-9 says, So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And then verse 8 says this, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. So a pretty similar passage to ours as, as a whole, but directly talking about in verse 8, speaking of being away from the body and at home with the Lord. And then a narrative, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, a familiar account of Jesus on the cross with the two criminals, Luke 23, 39 through 43 says, One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, 
since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then 43 says, and this is Jesus speaking, and he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So as this man died, he would be with Jesus. So two passages that speak about the very same thing. Paul looks at his death as gain, as he will be with Christ. So that is the why Paul views death as gain, because death equals being with Christ. And as Paul says in verse 23, he says, this is far better. Paul is saying that being with Christ is far better than anything else this, this life has to offer. There's nothing better than being with Jesus. So as we consider Paul's outlook on death, as he says, for to me to live is Christ, and then second, and to die is gain, he's saying he brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ as he looks forward and as he greatly desires to die so that he will be with him. So to just briefly, but not briefly compared to our verse, just to, to summarize the meaning of this verse, we find that in saying, for to me to live is Christ, Paul is saying that his aim in all of life is to serve Jesus Christ. And when Paul says, and to die is gain, Paul sees death as far better than anything this life has to offer as he will be with Jesus Christ. This is Paul's outlook on life and death. This outlook magnifies the name of Jesus. So that is the meaning. That is what this verse means as a whole and as the separate parts. Now I want to spend the rest of our time considering lessons, and, and ultimately what I mean by lessons is application. How should this verse make an impact upon us? Okay, how can we, as I started out, I said, this is Paul's view. It's a good view. It's a biblical view. This is Paul's view of life and death. And I said, in turn, this needs to become our view. So we could ask, how can we follow the example of Paul in the letter of Philippians? That's what I want us to consider now. So lesson number one, our aim in life needs to be serving Christ. All too often, it is to serve ourselves. Okay, so I began the message this way. As if we're real with ourselves, we might say, yes, striving to serve Christ. But as we think about, and we're going to think about this in the second point, but as we think about our life as a whole, as we think about if we're inwardly honest with ourselves, Hey, we live for a lot of other things, and I think these other things boil down to living for ourselves. If it be money, reputation, pleasure, we tend to live for ourselves and not Christ. Second, similarly, but getting a little bit more specific, in everything we do, say, think, all choices and reactions in life, we must be seeking to serve Christ. Just sit back and, and think about your conversation with your spouse or your family on the way to church, or maybe the last conversation you had with your sibling or the last major decision you made. Ask yourself, did it honor Christ? That should be what we are constantly asking ourselves, keeping it at the forefront of our minds. Does this honor Christ? What I'm about to do, what I'm about to say, even what I'm thinking should be something that we're constantly asking. Does this honor Christ? Does this serve Christ? With what I'm about to do, say, think, that should be the question going through our mind. 
Lesson number three, this outlook on life and death must be a decision we, okay, talking about I, okay, you individually, make for yourself. Okay, what do I mean by this? Paul says, for to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to focus in on these two words, to me. Paul doesn't say for to my dad to live as Christ, so I will. Nor does he say for to my friend or to my teacher, but he says for to me. As we thought about this morning, certainly people can be examples and influences, but our faith cannot rest upon them. Okay, just like we saw this morning in the passage with Jehoiada and Jeho- Jehoahash, Jehoiada's influence on Jehoahash, Jehoiada died. Jehoahash walked away from the Lord. Paul makes this declaration for himself when he says, for to me. And I would ask you, have you made this declaration on your own? Is this how you would say you view life? Is this how you would say that you view death? Or are you resting upon your parents or your friends or your grandparents or your pastor's outlook on life in death. Lesson number four, no matter what we are going through, wherever we are, no matter what stage of life we should seek to serve Christ. So let me take these one by one. I said, no matter what we're going through, Paul's sitting in prison. He could have easily been focused on getting out. His efforts, his aims could have been seeking his release. He could have continued to plead his innocence. Even we could think about, he could have been praying that he would escape and be able to, or pray that he would be released so that he could go on living his life. And yet, sitting in this prison cell, he sought to serve Christ. That was his desire. That was his aim. That should be what we seek, no matter how difficult or how trying a circumstance we're in. As you're in this suffering, other things might, might seem worthy things to Be our focus. There might be worthy things that vie for our focus or our attention, but Christ should be our focus in our suffering. I said, second, wherever we are. Paul was surrounded by non-Christians in this prison. He sat in prison with with soldiers that did not believe. Paul could have been silent about his faith. They didn't believe, so he's not going to speak about it. But instead, we're told in Philippians 1, 12 through 13, I don't have that on the screen, but I'll just read it again. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. That verse, verse 13, says the guards even found out why Paul was in prison. And I believe that is because Paul did not keep silent about it. He's surrounded by non-Christians, and yet... He's still going to speak about it. He's still going to live for it. So I'd put out an application to kids, teens. You might be surrounded by unbelievers in school, but you should still seek to serve Christ. It's not just when you're at home with your family. It's not just when you're here at church, when you're surrounded by people who love Christ, serve Christ. But you're to serve Christ even when you're the only one. That's what this statement meant for Paul. And then lastly, I said, no matter what stage of life you're in, Paul says, for to me, to live is Christ. Paul simply says to live. He's talking about life in general. He doesn't say, only when I become an adult, 
or when I hit 50 or when I hit 80, but all of life, we are to aim to serve Christ. So again, kids and teens, serve Christ now. Don't think, I'll wait till I'm an adult or till I'm uh, out of college or when I'm married or I have kids, but serve Christ now. The fifth lesson, if God causes you to remain living, he desires or he wants you to serve others. And I, as I was studying, as I was looking at commentaries, I kind of gleaned this point from Sinclair Ferguson. So I'd like to quote his explanation here. He says this, If the Lord continues to keep us in this life, he means our lives to encourage others to grow as Christians and to bring joy to them. That is part of the answer to the question, what is my life really for? It helps us to see what is really important in God's perspective. This is a good question to ask ourselves. Does my life encourage others to grow and rejoice? You might be sitting here this evening and you might expect to die in the next couple of years. You may just have an extreme longing to die and be with Christ. And here Paul stands as an example to you. He gives you your duty as long as you remain living, and that is to serve Christ and specifically to serve others. Seek to be an encouragement to others. Seek to bring joy, them joy in Christ. Seek to help others walk faithfully with God. I'd ask us all, is that what we're doing this evening? Lesson number six, kind of moving more to the the death side of things, or the second half of our verse. If we have a saving relationship with Jesus, we should be comforted as we consider our death. Think about your death. It might be fear or dread that comes to mind. But we see here for the one who believes in Jesus Christ, there's no need to fear as what awaits us on the other side of death is not darkness. It's not nothingness. It's not anything we, anything we should be scared of. But it's Jesus Christ himself. For the one who does not believe in Jesus Christ, there, there's no comfort when it comes to death. Fear and dread are, are appropriate responses when it comes to their death. Lesson seven, if our loved one who has died has a saving relationship with Jesus, we should be comforted in their death. So not meaning that grief or, or sadness are not appropriate um, things to go through. I'm not saying that, but rather it should bring real comfort should bring real hope to us as uh, if one of our loved ones or someone we knew died, but they did believe in Jesus Christ, that should be a real comfort, and that should make a world of difference knowing that they are now with Jesus. Lesson number eight, if we have a saving relationship with Jesus, we should long for our death. As I studied this passage, one of the things that kind of came to mind as I, as I studied it is I started to think... I. I wonder what other Bible characters or, or what other people in the Bible, um, we get their view specifically of death. Okay, and I started to think of different people, and I thought of ones that they longed for death, but it was for the wrong reasons. You could think of Elijah, who longed for death as an escape. Jonah, who longed for death because he, he was furious. But you also have those who, they didn't want to die at all, but they longed to continue living. You think of Moses, who longed to see the land. Think about Hezekiah, who longed to continue living through, uh, or to, to be healed of his deadly illness. 
Paul in our passage gives us what our outlook on death should be, and that is a longing, a desire for it. Not as an escape, but realizing what is on the other side of death is far, far, far better than anything this life has to offer. And that is because he will be with God. So my question to you tonight off this, this eighth lesson is, do you long to be with Jesus? Do you long to be with Jesus? Do you see death as far better because you will be in the presence of your Lord and Savior? Or... Are you struggling in seeing this life and what you want to experience is far better? So you might think about your death and you might think, that's okay down the road, but I want to experience these things. I want to do this or I want to do that. And I think if that's our response, we need to pray that God would give us this longing. Do you long to be with Jesus? Lesson number nine. Our longing for death can be a witness for Christ. As we saw, Paul magnified the name of Jesus by viewing his death as gain. By not dreading or fearing or being disappointed about his death, Paul brought honor to Jesus. Those in prison may have questioned why he wasn't scared out of his mind that his sentence could be death. It would have given him a great opportunity, and it seems like he certainly did share the gospel and shared why he was sitting there in prison. And I think as we think about our death, we too should realize how we can honor Christ by looking at death as gain. And how we talk about death, or how we talk about the death of a loved one who was saved, people might ask us, why do you have this hope? Why are you comfort, comforted? Why, you, why aren't you in despair when it comes to death? leaving us an excellent opportunity to share with them why we view death as gain. Our last lesson, lesson number 10. Our longing for death shouldn't deflate carrying out our responsibility in this life. So this, this, this last lesson brings this verse um, in the application all together, saying that we need to have a balanced approach. Yes, by all means, we need to look forward to death as something that's far better because we will meet our Lord. But at the same time, this must not consume our whole mind so that we neglect our responsibility in this life to serve Jesus and to serve others. Our prayer should be, God, help me to continue to serve you to my last breath. And God, help me to desire and long for my last breath so that I will finally meet you. So that is Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is Paul's outlook on life and death. And the challenge tonight is for us to walk away and think about do we have this outlook on life and even our death. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that we have to just be able to sit under your word this evening. And Lord, as we're challenged from this text in Philippians Philippians 1.21, Lord, I pray that we would really consider, is this what our life is all about? As we think about our aim or our purpose in life, is it really to serve you? Lord, I think as we think about our daily actions, our daily words and thoughts and our decisions and reactions, oftentimes they aren't serving you. They aren't honoring you. And Lord, I pray that you convict us of this, that you would help us to really just think as we go to do something or we go to say something, that we'd ask ourselves, will this honor Christ. Lord, help us to do this as we live our lives, 
uh, to have this outlook that for, for to us to live is Christ. And Lord, also I pray for, as we think about our death someday, Lord, I pray that you would really help us to look at it as gain, as something that's profitable, advantageous, and for the reason that we will meet you, that we will be in the presence of our Lord and our Savior. And Lord, I pray that you would comfort us as we think about our death. Lord, I pray that you'd also give us a longing, give us just the ability to, to desire uh, to be with you um, more than living this life and experiencing things in this life. Lord, help us to have this outlook. Help us to have this view of life and death this evening. In your name I pray, amen. We have the Camilles with us, not to put them on the spot, but I believe they're vamping up to head back to the mission field. They were here with us um, back in March, so make sure you greet them on your way out. Great to have you guys uh, here with us this evening. But thank you for joining us this evening, and you are dismissed.